You're listening to Congratulations, It's Assist, a holistic health podcast for your curious brain. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Kayla. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for jumping on Congratulations, It's Assist with me. I'm so excited to have this chat with you. It's such a pleasure. I'm looking forward to it too. You are like a one-stop shop for all things gut health and IBS. So start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yes, absolutely. I guess that's one way to put it. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm based in Brisbane, Australia, um, and I exclusively work in IBS or irritable bowel syndrome and that gut health space. So I've I guess, been on a bit of a journey myself, working as a dietitian in private practicing a whole bunch of conditions and clients, um, suffering with my own gut issues as well, which really got me to a point of wanting to help people with IBS um, day in and day out. And now here I am um, really enjoying what I do. Great. And with uh, your own kind of IBS and gut health, was that what initially sparked your interest in this field? Because it's quite a broad... Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I guess being a dietitian was something that I always knew that I wanted to do going through high school. I had, there was literally no other career path that I was going to take, Um, but it wasn't until my last year of university when I started to have my own gut issues that I developed an interest in the field. And then when I started seeing my own patients in private practice and I saw clients that were having gut issues, even if they were seeing me for heart disease or weight loss or cholesterol, whatever it was, I really found a passion helping these people because you can have such a dramatic impact on someone's symptoms through diet therapy, which is what a dietitian does is we work just with the diet. That really sparked my interest even further to help people that, you know, I've gone through a similar journey with them. Um, And yeah, that's exactly how I got where I am. Amazing. And can you explain to us what IBS actually is? Yeah, absolutely. So IBS stands for irritable bowel syndrome, which is a functional gut disorder, which means that there's nothing actually wrong with someone's gut that has IBS, but it's more to do with the function of the gut. It might move too quickly, it might move too slowly, and that can result in really uncomfortable symptoms, things like bloating and gas, uh, distension of the stomach to make you feel like you're nine months pregnant, but also altered bowel habits. So things like constipation and diarrhea. Yeah, right. And it can be probably super frustrating to not even connect these symptoms with IBS because is it something that's difficult to diagnose? It's really challenging to diagnose. The average length of diagnosis for someone is seven years, and that's because there is no test to diagnose IBS. Unfortunately, it's diagnosed by exclusion criteria, which means we need to rule out a lot of other conditions before we come to um, the answer of, oh, it's IBS. So we need to rule things out like celiac disease, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, uh, polyps, diverticulitis, there are so many other things that we can test and investigate before we end up with that diagnosis. Oh my gosh, seven years. That is such a long period of time. It's unbelievable, isn't it? So do you have a lot of clients that come to you who have been diagnosed or misdiagnosed with other conditions uh, and they're still having symptoms and they don't really know why? I guess I have a lot of clients that go through that journey with their specialists or general practitioners where they've done all of these testings um, they have no answers and they're sort of given, oh, well, it's IBS and they're sent on their way. That's, I guess, the most common thing that I see people come to me. And that's quite frustrating because they go through so many investigations, um, all very serious investigations as well. You know, sometimes they need blood tests, colonoscopies, endoscopies, some really invasive procedures. And then at the end of the day, their doctor says, oh, it's just IBS. And they're sent on their way with no real treatment plan, um, 
and no, I guess, referral to dietitian as well, you know, where we can really have such a great impact. When I've heard of IBS diagnoses in the past, it has been a case of like, oh, you know, this is just the way it is. And mm. so you've explained a couple of the symptoms uh, that people with IBS may be experiencing. What are the main ones that you really get a lot of your clients coming to you with? It's such a mixed bag, really, because when you have IBS, quite often you fall into a category and it might be IBSC. IBSD, IBSM, or IBSU. And IBSC is the constipation predominant IBS. IBSD is the diarrhea predominant IBS. And then you have the M, which stands for mixed, and U is uncategorized. And they might have a mix of the constipation, diarrhea, bloating, and gas all together. But I think the one symptom, I guess what we would expect to see a client walk through the door is, is having altered bowel habits in one way or another, that being constipation or diarrhea. And then they have that associated bloating or pain as well. And is there a specific reason why somebody may develop IBS? There are so many different things that can contribute to an IBS um, onset. And it starts from the moment that you're born, you know, the development of your gut microbiome and the changes that can be made, you know, depending if you were born vaginally or if you were breastfed until you were 6 or 12 or 24 months old. And then things like um, gastroenteritis or food poisoning um, or even, you know, massive periods of stress throughout your life can have a really big impact on your bowel and the way that it functions. So unfortunately, there's no clear cut answer as to why someone gets IBS. There's also a genetic component that's um, we believe is in there too, but there could be a mixture of things. Um, unfortunately, like I said, there's just no clear answer. So could somebody have a, like a healthy gut microbiome and healthy gut habits, and then it's just spontaneous creation and it can happen out of nowhere? Is that possible? Yep. Absolutely. And a good example of that is a bad case of food poisoning that can dramatically alter your gut. You know, maybe you've had a really healthy salad out, for example, but because it's caused such disruption to your gut microbiome, it can really alter the way that your gut functions. Well, that is so interesting. I didn't know that it could be something that kind of just came on. I thought that it was something that you kind of had to have for a mm. longer period of time. So it's really good to know. Now, mm. with your process with your clients, because you're specializing in this particular field, can you run us through the process that you take your clients through? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So after a client has been diagnosed with IBS, that's where I'll come into the picture and start helping out. Um, and we'll do an initial consultation. Really, in that consultation, we look at so many different aspects that could be affecting symptoms. So we definitely look at medical history, any medications that could be affecting your bowel habits. We look at stress, sleep, exercise level, your period and your cycle. We look at your diet, of course. Um, if there's high FODMAP foods, if there's other gut irritants in your diet, if you're skipping meals or if you're eating really big volumes of meals or if you're eating very quickly. So we're not only looking at the foods that you're eating, but the way that you're eating the foods as well. And then we're able to put together a really comprehensive plan to address some of those big players as to what could be contributing to your symptoms. Do you usually set like a time frame with your clients? I know that it's probably, you know, all, all over the place and it'd be different for everyone. But is there a specific amount of time that you kind of manage expectations mm, with? Yeah, absolutely. So really within the first two weeks of working with a specialized dietitian, you can expect to see really significant symptom results. Sometimes it takes all the way up to six weeks and that's where we would be doing the elimination phase of the low FODMAP diet, which I can absolutely step you through if you like. Um, usually you'll work with a dietitian for three to four months um, on that journey and that 
takes you from really not understanding what upsets your gut and having really debilitating symptoms to having full control and understanding exactly what upsets you, but also how you can manage flares if there's over-the-counter options like probiotics or digestive enzymes that would be suitable. So not only is it to manage symptoms, but it's also to understand exactly what upsets your gut and how we can build tolerance to those things as well. Awesome. And I'm absolutely going to take you up on that offer to step us through the FODMAP diet. So can you explain to us exactly what that is? Absolutely. So FODMAP is a funny word and that's because it's an acronym. FODMAP stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. So really long words and anything that ends in saccharide, like oligosaccharide, means carbohydrate. And polyols are sugar alcohols that we find in naturally occurring in fruits and vegetables, but also in some artificially sweetened products as well. Now, when someone consumes these high FODMAP foods, um, they're poorly digested and then they're malabsorbed, which can cause a lot of discomfort in someone that has IBS. That is such a nice little tight definition of that because it can be something that's super confusing, you know? How do you help your clients with kind of building a plan around the FODMAP diet? That's a really important point. Um, A lot of the time I hear clients say that they've been told to avoid a list of foods and that's sort of it they're sent on their way. But one really key, I guess... One really key feature of the way that I work with a client is that we work together on a personalized plan. So we do their full diet history, which entails looking at everything that they're currently eating. And then we plan something similar that would be low FODMAP for them. So if they're having, um, for example, banana peanut butter on toast for breakfast, but they're having a brown spotty banana, they're having two slices of whole grain bread, and they're having maybe one peanut butter, one almond butter, we're going to adjust that meal to make a low FODMAP. So we'll have two slices of sourdough or gluten-free bread, we'll use a yellow or firm banana, and we might use peanut butter only because almond butter can become high FODMAP. So for everything that we do take away on that low FODMAP phase, we have an alternative for it. And that makes it really easy for people to stick to, because if I'm just focusing on the food, that you can avoid that's fantastic that's good we need to avoid those but what about all the beautiful foods that we can still eat and that's really a big focus for me and it makes the process so much easier for the client yeah minimizing disruption and like you said when it's as similar as it can be to what you're already doing then you're probably going to stick to it a little bit more let's be honest (laughs) yeah exactly and it just makes it feasible people really struggle not knowing what they can be having so is IBS something that you can minimize to the point where you, you don't really notice that you have IBS anymore? Unfortunately, IBS is something that can't be cured at the moment, but it's certainly something that can be managed to a point that you wouldn't know that you have IBS. And that's when you really do that elimination phase and you identify your personal gut triggers. You work on building tolerance. If a probiotic is going to be appropriate, all of those little bits and pieces of the puzzle help you to manage your symptoms to the point that you wouldn't know that you've got IBS. Well, that's amazing to know. It's great to know that you can get to that point where it's not going to be life kind of affecting anymore. Yeah. Okay, Chelsea, we've got some questions. So (laughs) the first one that we have is from Julia and she wants to know if I ignore my IBS symptoms and I don't make any changes, how will this affect me down the track? So we know that people with IBS, um, whether they're following the low FODMAP diet or not, they have a reduced intake of diversity 
of foods. So they're focusing maybe on five or 10 safe foods and they'll eat those repetitively. That is linked with poor gut health outcomes because we know that people that eat a diverse range of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, um, it's more beneficial for your gut health outcomes, whether it be reduced inflammation, reduced risk of obesity, um, reduced rates of depression and anxiety, so many other things. So Ignoring IBS puts you at risk of, I guess, a really poor and not diverse gut microbiome. Um, does it you know, impact your mental health? Does it impact the way that you exercise? I guess it, it depends on the patient. There's no, I guess, damage to the gut that's being caused, but there's all of these other incidental things that are happening. For example, I know if I'm not on top of my IBS, I feel really sluggish and slow, I'm not exercising. And then my mental health slips because I'm not at getting some vitamin D in the day, I'm not getting my steps in, I'm not feeling really good about myself. So there's all of those other little components that I guess are linked with IBS indirectly. Great. And with the microbiome, can you also give us like a really tight knit definition of what the microbiome is? Because it's only something that we've really started learning about in the last like 20 years or so. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And it's certainly gaining traction now as well. It's a very popular topic. Your gut microbiome is made up of all the living organisms that live in your colon. So that's the last part of your bowel. Um, So there's good bacteria, there's bad bacteria, there's viruses and fungi, and they make up um, that I guess, family that lives in the gut. We want to feed the good gut bugs with lots of different fibers and we get fibers from our fruits, our vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains. Um, They help to then ferment those fibers, which produces short chain fatty acids. And we know short chain fatty acids are really beneficial for a lot of those things that I mentioned earlier, like reduced rates of or reduced risk of obesity later in life, reduced inflammation in the gut um, and prevention of some cancers, especially colon cancer. So in terms of the diversity for the microbiome, is it really important to eat a huge range of foods? Yeah, absolutely. As many different types of fibers that you can consume, the better. And what we're seeing now is people that consume 30 or or more different plant foods per week have greater gut health outcomes. And when I say 30, it sounds like a lot, but if you think about plant foods, it includes your fruits, your vegetables, your whole grains, your nuts, your seeds, your legumes. So if you're having you know, a, ver- a vermicelli Vietnamese salad, for example, that's got things like onions, spring onion, it might have peanuts, it's got lettuce, it's got rice noodles, it has uh, cabbage, uh, cucumber, carrot, that's already you know five to 10 different plants in there which is really really good so it's not hard to hit the 30 target but the key is instead of focusing on your meat and three veg every night and having the same three veg every night is every night of the week do meat and three veg but alternate the veggies that you're having yeah absolutely i've started this thing where i when i go to supermarkets or asian supermarkets and i see this random vegetable i've never tried i'll just grab it and even if i don't know how to cook it up it usually can mean that i have a really average meal but (laughs) i'll just buy it Mm -hmm. and then you know improve my gut microbiome totally and trying something new is exciting and learning how to cook as well it's yeah it's phenomenal that we in australia especially we have such great access to so many different fruits and veggies um, because we've got this amazing climate absolutely okay great and our second question is from sam and she wants to know is ibs genetic They do believe that there is a genetic component to IBS, but I guess like I talked about earlier, there's so many different things that can cause and trigger um, the onset of IBS. So it's believed that genetics is part of it, but it might not be the whole picture. Okay, fantastic. I mean, especially when you've got the different types of IBS as well. So um, yeah, and when it can come on spontaneously, like you explained, Mm. that's 
really interesting though that it could be genetic and it can happen in different ways. Okay, so our last little segment is assistance, which is just your big piece of advice mm-hmm. for anyone who is experiencing IBS symptoms. Um, what would be your like fat nugget of information? My fat nugget of information. I feel like this is not the most sexy or attractive piece of information. And I wish it was, but my advice is always see a dietitian. It's so bland and boring, but you know, seeing a dietitian can be transformative in someone's journey with IBS because there's so much that we can do with diet therapy. It's low risk because all we're doing is modifying the food that you're eating. And it's actually quite cost-effective long-term. You're not filling a prescription for the rest of your life. You're not seeing specialists for the rest of your life having more investigations it could be the one thing that really transforms your relationship with your IBS and your understanding of IBS that being said seeing a specialized dietitian is the key as well and I can say that because I've been a dietitian that works in a private practice clinic that sees weight loss that sees fertility that sees a little bit of IBS might see um, heart disease, might see diabetes. And because you see so many things walk through your door, you're never specialized in one field. But now that I've worked in IBS and exclusively in IBS, it's something that I'm really confident in. You know, we can get fantastic results quite quickly and there's less trial and error because it's the thing that I do all day in, day out as my bread and butter. So that's my big uh, fat nugget. And if you're not going to listen to that nugget, um, you know, try your best to stop Googling. And I always say this because everyone has to eat. Everyone has a gut. Everyone has an opinion on what you should be doing with your gut as well. Try not to Google. And if you're Googling, go to some bodies of information that you can trust as well, whether it be Monash University or GESA, which is the Gastroenterology Society of Australia. Look for these big bodies that you can trust instead of just getting information from Google or um, from random places places on the internet like Instagram and TikTok, you know, try and follow some registered dietitians or gastroenterologists that you can really trust for your information. And that's how I found you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a great fat nugget. That's awesome. And Chelsea, how can our listeners find you and work with you? Yeah, absolutely. The best place to find me is actually on Instagram and my little part of the internet. My handle is at IBS underscore dietitian. Um, That is the best place to get in contact with me. And then we can chat about if working with a dietitian would be suitable for you. Oh, you're amazing. Honestly, that is so much information and so much important information as well, because it can be a really complex and hard to navigate topic. Mm. So I really appreciate you having a chat with me. It's so nice to finally meet you as well, even if it is over the threshold. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be here too. Have a lovely rest of your week. I will. Thank you so much, Kayla. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Congratulations, It's Assist. We hope you enjoyed it and we can't wait for you to join us again next time. If you haven't already, go check out our website at www.congratulationsassist.com.au. Here you'll find all of our episodes, our Lady Parks blog with amazing stories from incredible women, our recipe section with plant-based, gluten-free and refined sugar-free meal options, and a way to contact us. If you want to give us a follow, you'll find us on Instagram at congratulationsassist, Facebook, congratulationsassist, or you can reach out directly. Kayla at congratulationsassist.com.au And please remember, anything discussed on this podcast does not constitute medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm just interested.
please speak to your GP or other healthcare professional before making any changes. Oh, wait, one more thing. The music for this podcast was created by my amazing partner, Matthew Tanner, in our friend Harry's house. Until next time, know you. We'll